missing it, sister, make your fringes, grab 10 other fringes and turn up and watch these games. Welcome to Giants Women Say, the podcast where we discuss all things AFLW Giants. I'm Fiona Lamb. I'm Tracy Kick. I'm Coach Kiwi. And I'm Nat Morgan. Hang on a sec. Or is it Shani Layton? <laughs> We've got a new voice in the studio today. We've got a new voice on the podcast. Nat Morgan, welcome. Thanks very much, Fee, for having me and girls. Cheers. Tell us a bit about yourself. Um, I'm one of the old school girls, played with Tracy many years ago, back when the comp started in Sydney. Tracy Kick did mention one Nat Morgan when she was talking about her history in football. Please go on. <laughs> Thanks for the shout out then, Trace. But, no uh, problem. Yeah, started back in 2000 when the Sydney comp started and um, just rocked up when a friend who I was sharing a house with said, hey, we're going off to footy training. And I said, I'm in. I am a Melbourne girl, but I never played um, AFL in Melbourne at all. It wasn't until I arrived in Sydney and gave it a go. Fabulous. Now, I think there's a little bit more to that, to your story, Nat, isn't there? Something about um, being a state captain? I did, um, yes, captain New South Wales uh, in my second and third year, or co-captain in my third year with Steph Foster. Um, from the Geelong Cats. Steph, Steph Foster, Foster from the Geelong Cats. That's the one. Shout out to you, Steph Foster. Yahoo. Um, look, and truthfully, I don't think I was... I was probably a better player than I was a captain. Um, that responsibility didn't sit well with me, and so I never actually captained at club level. So, uh, But you were president of the Balmain Tigers. Yeah. Um, look, it was uh, all hands on deck. If uh, if you had the time, you'd chip in and do anything, presidency and you know, sponsorship or meetings or whatever it took. Um, in fact... One year for the couple of years for the competition, I actually would do the line marking at one of the grounds as well, rocking up to uh, to the council chambers on the Friday afternoon and collect the spray paints and the machine and go and mark the grounds, the the centre circle and the fifty well probably thirty metre line and things like that. So uh, yeah, nothing like multitasking to keep a club going. <laughs> Indeed. Now I want to um, just go back about you being captain. Um, Nat Morgan was my very first state captain. And I do remember a particular pre-game speech in the change rooms. And I just thought, this person, I'm glad she's my teammate. I never want to play against her, which obviously I had to for the next 10 years, I think it was. But um, I thought you stood in front of our team and you led better than anyone else was leading at the time anyway. But yeah, you'd be one of my most solid captains that I've ever had. And in honour of that, I'm wearing my first uh, New South Wales state jumper with the sign on number. So... It's, um, it is. It's and the patch on the front is sewn the patch, on too. Yes. It's. Um, Gosh, I remember when we got those relic. jumpers and um, we handed them. We were handed them out, and then at the end of the tournament, they asked for them back again. And I, I was in shock. I said, "You can't take away our our, new, our state jerseys. Like that's wrong." So I think we all had to then pay sixty dollars if we wanted to buy them, and then they had to get another set the following year. Yeah, I waited three years to claim this for free when they finally gave <laughs> Use us it as our, a duster. our own jumpers. Yes. <laughs> well, I've still got mine and I wear it occasionally to AFL 9s these days. So I still play. Retro jumpers are in. Very cool. <laughs> and lastly, Nat, you were an All-Australian too, weren't you? I was lucky enough to be uh, picked, uh, I think, the Melbourne tournament in about 2002, I think it was. So uh, I was very proud of that. I think we got a, a paper certificate. That was all. Sensational. You also um, led New South Wales in the grand final against Victoria and you were captain of the team that was the first team that kicked a goal against Victoria. That's um, some massive kudos, having New South Wales, you know, the second best state 
at the time. It's sort of bizarre thinking about that we were so excited. I think originally about kicking a point and then actually kicking a goal is like we won the game. But that was the difference in standard of our first couple of years into you know the national tournament that uh, I think the very first tackles or the very first games we played in, we were like, you know, shell-shocked. But we lifted ourselves up and we moved on and, and we, you know, we'd now be disappointed if we only kicked one goal. Uh, you know, it's grown, hasn't it? So, yep, by far. Fabulous. Welcome, Nat. Thank you very much. Let's talk about the week that was. Round one, really exciting, hey? Wasn't it? Yeah, a couple of things I loved. Footy's one, back. Footy's back. One thing was the attendance at the ground, specifically in Geelong. Amazing um, attendance. I can't remember the exact stat. 18,000, That was absolutely fantastic. Yep. I thought the standard of footy across the board um, was sensational and it was just great to have the games on TV. I was glued to the TV all weekend. Um, so... Yeah, couldn't sleep last night. I was still excited. Yeah. Yeah, four of the five games were decided by less than a kick. So um, the importance then comes down to goal kicking for sure. So nice close games. I don't know why people would complain about not uh, having massive scores when the game's that close. And I think most of them, you didn't know who the winner was going to be until the final siren went. Exciting football. Yeah. Well, we were at the... Obviously, we're at the Giants match, but keeping track of the um, Frio Melbourne match, could not believe the the change between the, the third and fourth and quarter. Yeah, and my jaw literally dropped when I announced, "Oh my God, look at this score! Frio has won!" Yeah, my probably overall thinking about the weekend was probably how it wasn't really the stars or the captains or the big names or the face of the game that uh, stood out. It was probably across the board that uh, whole teams played well or the second year players or some of the young kids as well. Um, uh, Seabom from Collingwood, Jess Cameron, not to say that they're not big name players, apologies girls, but um, that was my standout that uh, everyone stood up generally and it, no team was relying on their stars to, to mm, get them across well, the line. They're big names now, aren't they? Well, yeah. they are now that I've named them. <laughs> <laughs> Now, my standout for the week was um, the video where Hanine was told that she was picked for the game and it was full of emotion and I think everyone reacted a lot because we could see how much it meant to Hanine. But I was a bit uncomfortable about it um, because what I saw was the power imbalance between the coach and a young player who... um, of course, had the background of not having played for GWS last year. She was on the train-on squad. She was in the squad. She was in the squad, but didn't get picked. Correct. Yeah. So, of course, a lot of emotion. The outcome, fantastic outcome, and the fact that it meant a lot to Hanine, great, and I, I was crying along with her. But as the seconds ticked by and she was waiting for the actual confirmation, I just felt like I was in a world of pain. It was an interesting approach, wasn't it? Because, um, you know, I looked across all the socials um, in the lead up to the games to see what was happening, obviously, as team selections were coming out. And one thing I really noticed is that in most cases, those sorts of announcements were done um, in front of the whole team where the players were supported and high-fiving, not in a one-on-one situation. And I I think it's an unusual decision, um, for whatever reason, um, for it to be approached like that. and I certainly um, appreciate what you're saying, Fee, about that power differential because you can't underestimate the um, uh, 
you know, the anxiety that she would have had um, in that lead up to know whether or not that camera in that room was going to tell her good or bad news because really you can't um, assume that just because a camera's in there that it's good news. Yeah. yeah. And often when you're taken aside into a, a room one-on-one with the coach, it's not usually good news. It is often, you know, some hard news or you might take it, you know, a bit more um, badly. And so she just looked awkward when she first went in there. And I, I think f- she was crying even before the very, camera Yeah, rolled. she was crying early and I felt awkward watching it. But not only that, if you continue to watch the video when she went back into the gym with her teammates, only a couple came up and celebrated with her and the others were looking on. So they also didn't know if it was good news or bad news. Right. So, you know, yeah, there's probably it's probably the room that they get taken into to, you know, get told you need to work on this rather than let's celebrate. Yeah, I just watching it and GWS promoted it a lot on their social media and so I probably came across it two or three times and it just got more and more awkward. First time I was like, Oh sweet, good kid, I love that story and then I went, Oh you know, give her a bit more or give a bit of loving or, you know, break break this silence and the sort of toughness, you know, what else have you done? That sort of thing made it um, just awkward. Just say to her, hey, you've been picked. Unreal. High five. Go tell the girls or something like that. Right. Um, yep. I was excited for her and yes. emotional because she, you know, yeah. she's just a kid and you just felt yeah. just felt a bit strained and, yeah, awkward was yeah. my overwhelming feeling, yeah. And what I um, have come back to as I've reflected on it during the week is that um, I've worked in positions of power in either teaching or therapy. I'm a music therapist and whilst I'm not working as a music therapist right now, I'm still a trained registered music therapist. Before that I was an early childhood teacher. Now I work in education support for junior medical staff in a hospital. So I have to be very careful about how I hold information and how I deliver information and so it was it was that that I was I was placing myself in that position of power and thinking um, how would I do that differently? And I guess that's really what I want to take from this. How could that have been done differently? But I was also putting myself in the position of Hanine and thinking, I can feel that you don't know you you don't know what is going to happen. You don't have any power, and you're just waiting for potentially a drum a, a drum to bop, a bomb to drop. It was great news in the end. It was a great outcome, and I'm so thrilled that she got her game. I just would like people to think about um, the vulnerability of our young players and, and the vulnerability of all of our players because they've put everything on the line. They're putting their careers on hold. They're putting their bodies on the line. It means so much. And we've got to protect them. Okay, GWS played the Lions in Brisbane on Sunday. Let's chat about that. Trace. Well, um, you weren't there with us. I wasn't there, Your no. Your absence was noted. No, but I, I did meet a few old Balmain Tigers at the local and um, was able to cheer on from from there. Um, the Newtown Breakaways were there too. The Newtown Breakaways the were also there, yes. And uh, Natty Morgan was there and we watched it together. So, look, um, overall, um, amazing game again um, in terms of closeness two points of difference um really interesting I think obviously um Amy Schmidt went out early in the game and I'm sure losing one off the bench as well as a a forward who had performed fantastically in the practice match um was probably a little bit of a shock and probably some reshuffling of the forward line occurred as a result of that um but look there were some excellent performances and um 
and a lot to like in the team. Um, one thing I think um, was interesting was the tackle count, and Kiwi and I were chatting about that earlier. Um, probably not enough tackles, um, even though the contested possessions were fantastic. Just the tackle pressure probably wasn't enough, and um, certainly that's an area for improvement, I think. But a um, lot I liked um, some of the midfielders um, that are new through the role did awesomely. Um, and, um, you know, our interview from last week, Von Bonner, did really well. Um, kicked the first goal. First goal. Yeah. Up fantastic. Bonner. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, really interesting. A shame they couldn't get it over the line, but um, yeah. but close games. Looks like it's going to be close games week in, week out, so it's going to be a very tight competition this year. My only concern with the Irish girls is that they were the first three goal scorers, and I am concerned that uh, you know the born and bred locals uh, weren't uh, getting on the scoreboard, and that would be my only concern. Um, yes, it was a close game. Um, I'm nervous when you lose your first round. It's such a short season. It's such a tight game. They could have done a few little things to, to get across the line. Um, uh, you don't want to be relying on the Irish girls to be the ones who are leading the goal scoring. Yeah, sure. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I think um, we st- the, li- the Giants definitely started the game strong. And uh, Lions came back and gave it to them a fair bit. And I think with um, Amy dropping out so early, it was, I think, 10 minutes into the game, I think, when they lost her, probably did change things around the forward line a fair bit. Um, they were covering a lot of kilometres. I would love to see their GPS that some of the forwards did because um, I noticed, especially with Cora and Vaughn, they picked up a lot of ball from the halfback flank area. So obviously there's a directive to come all the way back and get it. Um, the tackle count, definitely. Um, some stats I did was uh, the three key defenders for Lions collectively did 12 tackles, whereas um, Giants did five. And I think if you have a pretty close game and you're ding up so tight, you probably need to apply a little bit more pressure in that area and force the turnover so you can clear the ball um, going forward. And probably marking. I think our forwards didn't really take enough clean marks to give them enough set shots. So I think um, we'll talk about next week, but, you know, I think we're definitely missing some, some sticky hands like the likes of Barclay up there. Yeah. What did you think, Fee? You were there live and dangerous with the fridges on the hill? I was <laughs> uncomfortable in my cardboard box. <laughs> uh, it It was just... Uh, nail-biting for most of it. We got a nice big lead during the first, at, by the end of the first half, and um, I may have rubbed that into some dykes on bikes that I went and uh, met and chatted with briefly. Well, you'll hear from them a little later. Um, I thought, I really actually did think we had it in the bag, and it was desperately upsetting. And, and so, yeah, as I said, nail-biting right until the finish, and we just... Ran out, ran out of time. Even though the we had the, we were in the um, in our fifty. Yeah, we had some opportunities late in the game to to win it, um, and then you just I think turned over too many balls. Having said that, the Lions had a couple. I think McCartney will be a little bit dirty on tripping over the ball when she was through, and nobody in front of her. So um, we had opportunities, and you yeah. know we we hustled a little bit to get the girls back and goal side and um, bring the ball back up, but. Uh, yeah, I think Lions at the end just wanted a little bit more than than we did and maybe just we ran out of tank a little bit having one less on the rotations. Mm, do yep. you think there was the crowd a factor? I, I couldn't really see the crowd. Was How was the crowd up there? 
the crowd was yeah very much um, Brisbane dominated. I was a little taken aback when the announcer got the captain's name wrong for the Giants. I did want to pull aside um, a member of the constabulary to report that crime. <laughs> Didn't have <laughs> time. <laughs> I might give them a call still. Um, yeah, but there, there was great support. There, it was there weren't very many Giant supporters at all. So I think that the crowd helped a little bit. Yeah, I think that was a little little bit of a factor. That wasn't a good start. And then I watched them run on the field and um, Fridge almost got hung on the banner. <laughs> she got close. So I thought, boy, this is going to be a tough game. <laughs> um, but, you know, the the game, it had had atmosphere. I think it's probably about 4,000 worthy. I don't know the exact numbers, but it had some atmosphere. It went quiet in the third quarter, and I think that's just probably the scoring quietened down. The game was close, and in the last quarter, I think the Lions fans felt they had an edge, and they felt, you know, there was a victory potentially coming, and it did get a bit more noise, and um, you probably didn't hear us yelling, because I think they were out yelling us by then. Yeah. It was a highly contested game, right? Because yes. it wasn't very clean. No. You know, there were there weren't as many marks. For example, I think in the North game, like North took fifty odd marks themselves. Um, whereas I think you know GWS took probably around half that. Um, so um, you know, it wasn't that clean. I think it was highly contested, um, and you know, so it was a little bit scrappy in that sense, and which maybe explains the scoring because, um, you know, to go inside 50, 30 times for four goals is probably, you know, probably want to get that percentage up a little bit. Mm. Um, Possession-wise, Brisbane had 123 kicks to Giants 124. Um, Handball's Brisbane 66, Giants 93. Mm. Overusing it maybe? Mm. Perhaps. Um, yeah, we played really close and we got numbers around the footy a lot more too. Mm. So um, it was on. Um, when it comes to marks though, uh, Lions 34 to Giants 28. So that's yeah. probably where they started to get the edge. And then the tackles, Lions laid 63 and we only had 42. Hmm. So a few gaps coming in. Interesting stat. Yeah. But having said that, we had, um, if you look at some of the key players, their key players, um, Bates and Anderson, did 22 disposals. Our three top players had 18. So um, not too far off in the in that kind of number. But we had three getting plenty of ball. Yeah. And that was Parker, Bisa and Swanson. So good players. Um, Parker, I thought, did really well in her first game. Absolutely. No, she, yeah. I, she was really impressive. Was really she was impressive the week before, but, you know, we're on the big stage now. And so mm. I think she was she was really solid. It was fantastic to see Biso in there. I think she did really well. Yeah. Her ball use, her disposal efficiency, I think it was 75% or something. She really had some great... 77.8. Um, thank you for that. <laughs> Does, um, I didn't memorise it. Has Courtney got a sort of a target on her back this season? She was certainly a, a bit quieter. She, quiet. she felt like she was quieter, but you know what? I had a look at her season average stats, and she had an average of 15 disposals a game, and that's what she had. Um, but I guess it's about, you know, do do we feel her presence as much? It's hard when you're not at the game because you don't see what's not happening, what's happening behind the camera. So She I'm only had sure. one mark, um, and um, but she, she laid four tackles, which is one of our higher... Um, numbers yeah she definitely influences a game so Not you know it'll be interesting that if people choose to tag her I know towards the end of the season last year they were um which became you know very frustrating I think from Courtney's point of view but um 
Yeah, I look, there's plenty of quality there and they've got seven or eight players that can run through the midfield. So maybe not trying to have that reliance is, is a good thing. It's probably a good thing, yeah. Mm. Um, if she's getting double tagged or something like that, there's obviously going to be a free teammate who should make the most of that opportunity. Well, that's when Parker gets to stand up now too. Yeah. Earlier in the week, Tracy spoke to Renee Tompkins, also known as Tonka Truck. Let's have a listen to that interview now. Okay, so um, today I'm catching up with Renee Tompkins to talk about season 2018. Renee, thanks for joining me on the phone today. That's no problem. Excellent. Um, I just wanted to chat about the season so far. Um, one of the things that I thought would be interesting for our listeners to hear about is um, your journey in AFLW so far. Um, you were recruited in the 2017 season, played 2017 and 18, and um, got delisted at the end of 2018. Um, how tough was that for you um, personally and for your footy career? Yeah, it was pretty tough. Like I went in and had a meeting, and then I was told I wasn't going to give a get given a contract, and then. I was really disappointed and walked out of there and I thought to myself, is this really the end? And then after that, I just sat down for a little while and I thought, no, this isn't the end. So then I started to put in place what I needed to do to be able to get back into the AFLW. Yeah, fantastic. And um, was there anything specific that you did do leading up to the to the draft or any specific conversations that you had um, that that helped you get ready, put yourself in a good place for that draft? Um, not so many conversations. I just went down to my club team and harassed the men's coach down there and he gave me some skills and some tips to do and just pretty much trained my butt off the whole off season and played as best as I could in the Premier Div. And then it was draft day and I just sat there pretty nervous and waited for my name to pop up. <laughs> Yeah, pretty pretty hard waiting game. Um, so look, you demonstrated heaps of resilience in that time. So what would your message be to other players who might find themselves in that situation? Because um, I guess it happens every year. Um, it would just be not to give up. Just if you want it that bad, then just keep going at it and keep training the things that you need to improve. Yeah, and eventually course. hard work will pay off. That's awesome. Um, so you've been training pretty hard. This is your third pre-season. Um, and um, what, what would you say would be the differences, say, between sort of season one to season three in terms of the preparation and pre-season that yourself and the other players are putting in? Um, season one, you probably were getting to know each other, still had your pre-season program, which was a lot of running. That hasn't changed now. That's mm. still the same. Um, but now, like, because everyone knows each other, it's a bit less stressful and we get together and we can do it all together if we want or as pre-season goes on, you can do it by self. Up to you. But that side of things hasn't really changed overly much. Yeah, okay. So what would, what do you think is the main difference? That, is it the fact that people do already know each other um, is the support different that you've got around you? Um, um, yeah, the support's different. Like we have different coaches and stuff on board now and like the support from them is a bit angled, a bit different to the first year where we were sort of like 
didn't really know what was going on still. So, but that happens in every leg, I guess, when it's getting up and running. So. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, you missed selection for the the Brizzy game yesterday, um, which I know was disappointing for you. Um, you know, what's your approach for getting ready to tr put your hand up for this week? Um, and uh, what was the feeling in the group like? Um, for those who didn't travel to Brisbane over the weekend? Um, yeah, it's disappointing not getting selected this week, but all I can do is not overthink and just train as hard as I can and try and crack at this coming Friday to play Des Moines against North Melbourne. Yeah. And how was the feeling in the group generally over the weekend? Uh, you trained on Saturday and... Um, you know, for, for all of the players who didn't get to travel up to Brizzy? Um, yeah, you sort of had the feeling that, like, you were let down, but then you sort of put that in the back of your mind and got together as a group and know you had to train hard to try and improve and make the squad this week. So just sort of leave that behind you and push on with the rest of it. Yeah, for sure. And um, did you watch North Melbourne on the weekend? I did. They moved the ball quite well. They did, didn't they? Um, what are your thoughts on the weekend? And you know, um, obviously, you know, you'll be getting together um, as a playing group this week um, to both review the the Brisbane game, which was obviously a, a very narrow um, margin and probably great disappointment for the squad. Um, but um, what else did you? in that North Melbourne game apart from ball movement that you think uh, um, the team's going to have to to get ready for? I think we won't have to change too much as a team but just got to try and mark their all their forwards I suppose because they, they don't only have one good forward in that team, they've got a lot so try and shut them down and if we can win the boy out the middle a lot then hopefully the rest of it just works out. For sure, for sure. It's going to be an exciting um, game. So just a couple of quick questions so a few people can get to know you, Renee. So what do you do for a day job? A transport manager. Transport manager. And um, are you working part-time or full-time at the moment? Full-time. Hard slog. What are you listening to at the moment, music-wise? Um, probably a bit of Chili Peppers. A bit old school. Yep. Yeah, nice. Is that is that your pump up music? Uh, no, I have cranky pump up music, Metallica. Oh wow, awesome! <laughs> Listen, Renee, thanks heaps for talking to us today, um, and best of luck for this week. Um, hope to see you out there on Friday night. Thank you, Tracy. I'm a Giants fan, but. I was rapt to see Renee Forth the other day play really well for Adelaide. As a former player, GWS, and having had knee surgery and a season out, she I thought she was a real standout for the Crows the other day, and she really held held her own in a position she generally hadn't been playing in on the back line. Um, she was she was a standout, I thought. So I was wrapped for Renee. All right, let's do the preview for next week's game. Oh boy. How good did North go on the weekend? It's going to be a cracker on Friday night. I think they might be tired now. 
<laughs> Lots of flying, you reckon? <laughs> they may have celebrated big. Oh, but uh, no, the match on Friday night's going to be, it is going to be a cracker because as Nat said before, you know, in this short season, it's do or die really in those first couple of rounds. So having the loss last week for GWS, is it's going to put a little bit more pressure on them to um, get that home game advantage and to try and, and bring the win home against a very good-looking North Melbourne outfit. And you were talking about the home ground advantage for Brisbane when it was tied at the end. If uh, GWS can't win at Dremoyne or Blacktown, they've only got two home games this year, haven't they? There's one in um, Canberra. So, mm. I, yeah, home mm. shroom. But they need to make the most of this opportunity. Um, it's a great ground, very scenic. You're up sitting around close to the game. You can hear what's going on after last year's match there. It was, it was wonderful, wasn't it, before the storm hit? So if they can take advantage of that... Um, North Melbourne will be tough, though. Geez, they were good the other night. Um, all their star players, all ex-Collingwood, I might state, but they look you very impressive. You would be a Collingwood fan. <laughs> well, I think Do they took all our good... Well, I am a mad Collingwood supporter, always oh, have well, been. I'm glad we got um, that out. But it was disappointing to see that all the ex-Collingwood players had very good games the other night. But um, good luck to them. It's hard to gel a new team, uh, but North Melbourne were very impressive. So I really yeah. hope GWS, you know, stand up. It's going to be hard work um, working out the matchups for this week because there's just so much star quality all through the Kangaroos, and providing we get through this week with um, no injuries or soreness from the Lions game, um, I think Alan's got a tough job working out who's going to be on who. Yeah, look, there were seven at, at training last Saturday morning, and um, I think most are fit and ready to go. So it selection will be really interesting the matchups will be interesting I think the other dynamic about Dremoyne is it's a very small ground so um, with the the Giants excellent contested possession um, stats on the weekend if they can bring the ball to ground because North had 56 marks so if they can bring the ball to ground that that will even the game right up and on a small ground there's a high chance that you can affect that because you just don't get that space um, so that'll be really interesting. Yeah, it's a nice wide ground too. And if we use the pace of the likes of Dell or Nick Barr and that, and just get the ball to the outside first and just exploit some pace out that way and um, and move it on, is is a good tactic. Apparently, it's been done before. Yeah, I think too. Like as well as that, Kiwi. If you think about if they can switch it up fast and bring it back up through the corridor, um, out of congestion as well, because it's only three kicks. It's only 150. It's the same size as the SCG, I think. So um, it'll be that'll be interesting. Don't know what they'll go for, but um, yeah. Look, you you pointed out that we didn't take enough marks last week, so GWS will need to do that, and uh, they need to counteract the marking ability of North Melbourne for sure. All right, let's do predictions for round two. Giants North. I'm going with Giants. Uh, I'm going to take Giants. Oh, Giants have got to win at home. Yep, I'm backing them in. Collingwood, Melbourne. Collingwood. Oh, D's. I'm going to go D's. Yeah, I'm going to go Melbourne. Yeah, Melbourne for me. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> Bulldogs versus Cats. Ooh. I'm going Cats. Yeah, I'm Cats too. They were great the other night. I'm going to go Cats, but if they get McWilliams... Uh, Rocky and no, Mel Hickey, Hickey back. Hickey. I reckon they'll give it a good. They'll give it a good crack. I'm going cats. Yeah, those three back cats. Sorry, Sparky. Carlton versus Adelaide. I'm going Adelaide. 
Yeah, I have to go Adelaide. Adelaide. Yeah, Crows, definitely. Uh, provided they kick straight. <laughs> True. I bet, I bet they've done that all week, only kick at goal. Yeah. Dockers versus Lions. I'm going to go with Dockers. Where's this one? In Frio? This is in Frio, yeah. yeah. I'm going to go Frio. Yeah, I think after last week they'll be on a high. It'll be very, very close, but yeah, go Dockers at home. Confidence up. I'll, I'll give the Dockers the benefit of the doubt. All right. Skin those lions. When I was at the match, I also caught up with the Queensland Dykes on Bikes and had a little bit of fun with um, teasing them about putting them in the orange group when they ride in the Mardi Gras when they come to visit. So here's that interview now. I'm here with Queensland Dykes on Bikes. Um, say hi, girls. Hi. And so Jules is there. Jules is their president. Hi, Jules. How are you? So tell us a little bit about Queensland Dykes on Bikes. Um, we're one of the chapters of, Queen, of Dykes on Bikes throughout Australia and uh, we have about probably 50 members up here throughout Queensland, all from Rockhampton down to Harvey Bay and then Brisbane is our main group of girls. So yeah, we've been running up here for I think it's about 25 years or something. Something like that. Something like that. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just like, smile. <laughs> okay, so Jules accepted my invitation to come up and see this uh, match between the Giants and the Lions. So far, Giants are winning. Yeah. Just, just. <laughs> it's close. We're making a comeback. <laughs> now, Jules, I understand that Queensland Dykes on Bikes do some charity work. Tell us a bit we about do. that. Yeah, we do. Um, we support a charity called Open Doors, which is a youth charity for young kids that come from sort of all over Queensland and end up in the Brisbane area who have been sort of isolated from schooling and potentially family and stuff like that. So they've got counselling services and things like that available to them down in Brisbane. They have a drop-in centre and we've supported them for about the last probably seven or eight years, I think. So yeah, every year we give them a donation from uh, our Mardi Gras money. We have a raffle that we run that we bring people down to Mardi Gras for. And yeah, we've supported them, probably given about $25,000 or more over the last sort of eight years. Cool. Fantastic. It's one of the things that I like to make sure that people know about Dykes on Bikes. Yeah. They're a community we do a little bit. organisation <laughs> who also support safe spaces for women That's who right. are Dykes and who ride bikes. That's and we right. love that. And what I also love is that I'm going to suggest that you guys, when you come down to ride in Mardi Gras this year, <laughs> yeah. you ride orange. in orange. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to especially get lion shirts made just because yeah. we can. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well done. Go for me. Go Thanks, girls. So when we were meeting, the Fridge Army was meeting on the weekend and we heard this voice. Sing it, sister. Make your fridges, grab ten other fridges mm. and turn up and watch these games. Who is that? That's Emma Race, our sister in podcasting. And that was the call to arms, as I called it at the time, uh, where she said it's up to us to turn up to these games uh, if we want this league to succeed, and we certainly do, that's why this podcast uh, was put together. And uh, speaking of, uh, we want to see everyone at the Dremoyne Oval next weekend. The M50 is the bus that goes from Coogee to Dremoyne through the city. Uh, but I'm going to be driving there. I'm going to be leaving work early. Shh, don't tell anyone. Because I'm predicting a lockout. Dremoyne Oval, full of the Inner West football family, fraternity, sorority, everyone on that hill again like they were last year. So um, leave early, plan your trip. Wear your orange. 
wear your orange, build your fridges. You'll see us. Come and find us because you're welcome to sit with us if you like to. Um, and we're all going to be there. So there's only one more thing left to say, and that is... Here come the Giants. Here come the Giants.